are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for the Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. The number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Part two of our awards podcast, Jason Hershorn, America's guest, is here With us today, if you missed part one, that is in our feed behind us. We have a lot more to get to in part two. So without further ado, let's get to the offense and the defense of our Pro Football Writers Awards ballot. We are back. America's guest, Jason Hershorn, for part two of our awards podcast. We did the the big major awards Yesterday, talked about Aaron Rodgers, talked about Coach of the Year with Matt LaFleur, Executive of the Year. Did Brian Gutekinds make it? You'll have to go back and listen if you missed it. Today, Jason, we are going to talk about the players, the guys who are on our, essentially our version of the All-Pro team, but it's the PFWA first team, All-NFL. As you were sitting down to, to go through this, did anything surprise you about the guys that you did or didn't consider from Green Bay in terms of how close they were to making it? Yeah, in one particular case, and we'll get to it shortly, I actually wondered if the reason I was considering this particular player was because I watch and rewatch Green Bay more than any other individual team, (laughs) and that maybe that had like slanted my view for that player. And then I looked at all the possible alternatives, and it reinforced the notion that, again, player to be named shortly – was the right choice for that position. So I I do think sometimes, even when you're trying to be careful, you can maybe overcorrect too, you know, maybe say like, oh, you know, what I see most often, it couldn't possibly be as good as I think it is relative to the rest of the league. Sometimes it really is. And I think we're going to discuss one of those very shortly. Let's start uh, on the side of the ball where I think we will have fewer things to talk about. That is on the defensive side of the ball. Did you select a Green Bay Packer for first team all PFWA on defense? I did. Linebacker. Devondra Campbell, he he has had a tremendous season. I know your listeners already know this. People who read The Leap are also aware of this, and people who just have eyes also know <laughs> this. But it was kind of a weird year for that position. And so for clarification for those at home, the PFWA awards are a little different in a number of ways from the AP ones. The AP has three linebacker like slots. It doesn't distinguish whether that's outside, inside, the just linebacker. The PFWA does differently. It's two outside linebacker, one inside or middle linebacker. So when you're just limited to those guys who are definitely, as you like to say, stack linebackers, it's a very different equation. And now there's some players who could fit into outside and it could fit into inside. And it's just a matter of, you know, personal preference. But of guys who I was like, these are definitely inside linebackers, off ball linebackers. It wasn't overall really that strong of a year. Campbell had a fantastic year, as we are currently discussing. Yeah, I thought Levante David for the Buccaneers also had a compelling case. And then it actually falls off pretty quickly after that. There's a bunch of good seasons. I'm not sure there was any other that was really great or standout relative to what we got from Campbell. 
Yeah. And, and I was looking at, I mentioned total points and, and for defensive players, it's called points saved among off ball linebackers. Devondre Campbell was number one, 45 points saved. No one else was even in the ballpark. The next best guy who is a true off ball linebacker, Darius Leonard at 29 and the only linebacker full stop, even edge linebackers that had a better total points saved than Devondre Campbell was Micah Parsons, who is technically, I guess, an off ball linebacker, but he he was essentially a rush linebacker for what half the season, maybe more. So I have him as an outside linebacker. I have Devondre Campbell as my inside linebacker as well. Um, and if you look at the pro football focus grades, you know, the subjective and the, and the objective in terms of the, the analytics and the, the grading, Micah Parsons was their number one graded linebacker. Devondre Campbell was number two. And again, the, the gap, you mentioned that. That's the part that's crazy to me. Devondre Campbell had an 84.3 defensive grade, full, full grade. The next closest off-ball linebacker, Darius Leonard, was 78.4. That's a six-point grade. That's the same gap as Darius Leonard at three and Kyle Van Noy at 10 among guys who played at least 500 snaps. So he, he wasn't just good. He was he was better than everyone else by a significant margin. And we saw in the last game the difference between him out there and him not out there. This this is one of the reasons why I think you can make a case for Brian Gutekinds because his impact is is incredible. Yeah, and I, I should have mentioned Darius Leonard as well. He he was in consideration, yep. but with Campbell, a, a part of this is he's playing a position that the Packers have pretty much not prioritized for the better part of twenty <laughs> Never years. Cares about. And I mean, there were strategic reasons for that, right? Like certain teams, for example, on the offense, they they'll get functional guys at guard, but they won't overinvest in guard because they feel like that has less of an impact on the overall product. On defense, a lot of teams, the Packers included, view off-ball linebacker the same way. And they could have had an effective defense with just a replacement-level starter at inside linebacker. And Campbell obviously has been so much more than that. And obviously, if they thought that he was capable of doing this, they would have signed him significantly earlier. But that's the thing. It's not just that he came out of nowhere. It's not just that he's playing for the NFL equivalent of peanuts. It's he is full stop, one of the most impactful defenders, regardless of position. And at his particular position group, there just aren't a ton of cases to be made for other players. Yeah. Did you, did you consider anyone else on defense? Cause I considered like one and a half players for some other spots. It's really hard. Uh, I don't know if this is the person you're talking about, but if it was Razul Douglas, he's played tremendously. He also played roughly half a season right? and you don't want to dock him because it wasn't like he was hurt and then came back. He was on a practice squad or practice squads, plural, and then finally got an opportunity. And I mean, they brought him on the team and he was on the field for a regular season game within what, like a week and a half, which is incredibly difficult mm-hmm. regardless of position. So he's done a lot of super impressive things and it's not just the big turnovers. He has been consistently a good coverage quarterback, but the sample size just wasn't enough for me to feel comfortable putting on this list. Although I do so, think there is a case to be made. He, he started nine games for green Bay played in 11 total games this season. You go back to that total points saved. He saved 36 points among cornerbacks. That was ninth, two, four, six. Oh, sorry, excuse me, seventh. Everyone above him played at least 13 games. If you just take points saved per game, he would lead the league among corners. So I didn't vote for him, but I, I think he, it deserves it deserves pointing out that that he did 
Um, an incredible job in just a handful of games. I had Jalen Ramsey and AJ Terrell. Do you want to just say who you who you had at cornerback? I did pick Ramsey. Terrell was in consideration. I ultimately went for that other spot with Darius Slay, but those were the two. I I considered Kenny Clark at defensive tackle. And, I, and Chris Jones and Aaron Donald were just too good this season. They were, and especially once Jones moved back inside, it unlocked their defense in a way that that I just think is is too impactful. But the, especially the way Kenny Clark started the season, I, I think it deserves mentioning that he was playing at a borderline all pro. Like if if we had like in the NBA, there's third team all NBA. If there was like third team all pro, I think Kenny Clark would be would be on that list for me. But he's he I think he's clearly behind the the Jones Donald group this year. Yeah, we already discussed Aaron Donald on the first half of this podcast, and I don't think we really need to add or really make any argument. People know Aaron Donald is really, really good. Uh, I considered Chris uh, Chris Jones as, as well for the exact reason you described. When they moved him back inside, it fundamentally changed that defense from being one of not just – it wasn't like one of the worst in the NFL. It was one of the worst in recent NFL history, and they make that move and other adjustments as well, and suddenly it's functional, and you cannot – dismiss his impact there. I thought Cam Hayward, though, was the second most impactful interior defender. Uh, He is asked to do a lot in that defense. Their their defensive linemen do not get as many pass rush opportunities as you see with other schemes. And yet, he really racks up those pressures. It's not just the 10 sacks. He was top 10, I believe. Actually, he was definitely top 10 in total pressures as measured by uh, pro football focus among interior defensive linemen. And he's a really solid run stuffer. He's just a really smart player overall. I don't think we really appreciate his total impact collectively as like a football media or football watching community. And I wanted to reward that because he has been phenomenal this year. Okay. I I did not vote for this player, but I, I do want to just state because I don't think it has been said enough. And, and this part of that is my fault, right? I have a podcast. I can, we, ha- we have a newsletter. I can talk about it as much as I want. The season Rashawn Gary had on the edge, whether you want to say outside linebacker, defensive end, I, I, we need to talk to, um, you know, someone. I don't know who's in charge of that. If it's, if it's Lindsay, if it's Bob Glauber, who we need to talk to about this, we need to get edge. They have defensive end and outside linebacker, and it bothers me. Um, but Go if you sign at, all of that, by the way, if if you look at outside linebackers, Rashawn Gary was second in pressures according to SIS. He was among guys who played at least half the snaps this season, fourth in defensive grade according to Pro Football Focus, and was by their charting second in the league in pressures. That is. And, and fourth in QB hits. I mean, he was outstanding this season, second in hurries. He was outstanding this season. He's not a, a first team guy because some of those guys ahead of him are just better. And because I, I just think edge, but he has turned into a top, what, eight to 10 edge player in football. I mean, what he, what he did this season needs to be, in my opinion, shouted out. Yeah, and he's been really impactful against the run too. It's not just those pass pass rush numbers though; those are incredible for good and for ill. By the way, he he tends to fly down inside and lose some contain at times. At times, yes, but a lot of guys, including the ones we may be voting for, are also guilty of this. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so uh, for 
for outside linebacker, which is, would be the PFWA position group that Rashawn Gary would apply, right. I went with Big Watt and with Micah Parsons. Same. And you know, Parsons, some people might put him at a different position. That's part of the reason why these particular position groups are kind of silly. Mm-hmm. But both those guys were overall more impactful. And that's not to take anything away from Rashawn Gary. This was his breakout year. This is the year that showed that he could be the true pass rushing alpha in a high functioning defense. And that could still be true even if Zaria Smith does make it back for the divisional round or next season if he returns to some capacity. Obviously, we'll talk about that in the offseason. But Gary has become a dude. He absolutely is. He's consistent. And, you know, there's not a lot else you can say. He's just really become a field tilting player in the NFL. All right. Much more with Jason to come. I think the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. But if I were going to wager on it, I would consult OnlineGambling.com first. And I want to thank them for sponsoring this podcast. If you don't know already, OnlineGambling.com is a website dedicated to giving betters the edge throughout the playoffs. They're providing you with NFL tips, news, and more to make your bets as informed as ever. And God knows, I need my bets to be as informed as ever because it's been it's been hit or miss so far. This, this uh, end to the regular season, we're hoping to get on a little bit of a hot streak here, but that's where OnlineGambling.com comes in. They give betters the edge to provide the best and most trusted experience online all day, every day. That includes their OG tip section where you'll find their Super Bowl picks as well as the inside track on how to bet the odds throughout the NFL playoffs. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to bet the future. Sometimes it makes more sense to just bet game by game. In fact, the Packers are like that right now. You're not getting good odds if you bet on the Packers to win the Super Bowl. Now you're better off betting them Game by game, probably, depending on how the lines shake out and depending on what the odds are. But we will see. That's where OnlineGambling.com comes in. Don't take my word for it. Go check them out. Visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL for the latest gambling news, tips, and info to beat the odds and give you the edge throughout the playoffs. Remember, OnlineGambling.com slash NFL. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at GetUpside. GetUpside is an app that everyone should be using if they go to the gas station. I went to the gas station today, in fact. And if you go, as I'm sure you do, wouldn't you like to get paid just to go? You were going to go anyway. Your car needed the gas. So why not get cash back for going to the gas station? You can do that with GetUpside. Download the GetUpside app, enter the promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you will get an additional $0.25. Per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents on that first fill up per gallon. Why wouldn't you want the free money to do a thing you were already going to do? You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, e gift card, Amazon, and there's no catch. You just get the money. Isn't that amazing? Just, just, I'll just take the money for doing a thing I was already going to do. Download the GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon on that first fill up. So let's go to the offense now. Um, I, I think there, there, this would be a more interesting question if uh, David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins had been healthy all season, but I do think there are, are, are some interesting things to talk about here. Um, uh, presumably you had Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. <laughs> 
Yeah, as it turns out, the player I thought was the most valuable is also the best at his particular position. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, all NFL. It Again, we, we can rehash the argument if we really want to, but I thought it was pretty clear-cut given the other options. So did you, did you consider another skill position player outside of Devontae Adams? In terms of Packers players, no, and... I shouldn't say no. I, I The running back position, and this is where I need to clarify again the difference between the PFWA ballot and the one the AP does. The AP does a single running back for first team, and then the second best running back will get second team. Uh, for reasons I do not understand, there are still two running back designations in the PFWA award. And the reason why this is frustrating is because there really aren't four running backs you want to reward for this uh, between the two conferences. Jonathan Taylor's been fantastic. You made the case for him as Offensive Player of the Year, so I don't think there's really anything to add there. Nick Chubb was phenomenal. And those two, if you look at the advanced metrics, in particular, uh, what th- what was blocked for them in terms of like PFW, or sorry, uh, pro football focus grades, and in terms of like yards gained above expectation, those guys are just ahead of the pack and put the volume numbers together. It's everything you would really want. And then the next best option, I guess, is Dalvin Cook, who was good, but you know he wasn't great. And I really struggled finding, even if we were allowed to like go cross-conference, finding a fourth running back, and yet we have to do it for this ballot. It was really frustrating for me. So for that reason, I did briefly consider Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon because both those guys in those advanced metrics did very well. And their volume numbers, well, not great. They both got... Over a thousand yards from scrimmage, uh, or Aaron Jones in particular had another good season in terms of scoring touchdowns. But I just, I just couldn't really make the case. Neither of them had the total volume, and some other guys, I, I guess, did. It, it, it's why I think there should just be one running back. It's frustrating. I, I agree. Um, I, I looked at both AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones for the reasons that you mentioned. The second running back spot after Jonathan Taylor, it is a wasteland. And so, I mean, it was, I actually went with Cordero Patterson just because I thought, okay, this is his breakout season. He was someone who, who sort of put his stamp on the season, but, but this was a a stat in the athletic um, yesterday or the other day that, that AJ Dillon led all running backs in EPA per rush. He was second in grade for pro football focus among guys with at least 150 attempts. Aaron Jones was fifth behind Damian Harris, Jonathan Taylor, and James Conner. So I think this this is the best duo in football right now. We can say that, but I but neither guy individually is is worthy of that spot. Uh, Devontae Adams, pretty good. Yeah, and I I voted for Devontae Adams, but for me again, there's two selections in the Pro Football Writers of America ballot as opposed to three, which the AP has. And to me, there was a group of four, maybe five, you could consider for this. And I really wasn't going to argue with any single one. Uh, for me, it came down to Adams, Debo Samuel, um, uh, Cooper Cup. I don't know why that one was already had incredible numbers, <laughs> and Justin Jefferson. And I'd be willing to hear arguments for Jamar Chase, but I felt like in context, his contribution was a, a notch below those other four. Adams and Debo Samuel ultimately got my votes. But if, if you're picking from those four, I'm not going to argue with you. They all had transcendent seasons. I I played around with you doing Debo for my second running back. Oh, your your son does not appreciate that. No, 
Theo is not happy with that, with that call. He had a, he had a meltdown, meltdown earlier. Hopefully um, not everyone heard that. Not sure what's going on. Uh, dinner time. He loves dinner time. Kid loves to eat. Um, who, who did you, are you still working through? You don't have to vote yet. Are you still working through who that second receiver is going to be for you? For me, it's cup, but, but I want that. The reason I was playing around with it is because I wanted to get Debo on that list. Yeah, I haven't submitted mine yet, so I, I could still change it. And I have been going back and forth between those guys for the last three weeks, to be honest. And I, I was jokingly texting one of my other media colleagues during that 49ers Rams game to, that concluded the season, like, oh, well, it looks like Debo's getting robbed when Cooper Cup had an amazing play. And like, oh, well, it looks like Cooper Cup is getting robbed when Debo had an amazing play. What ultimately shifted it towards Debo for me, I know this is a Packer centric podcast, but we were talking about the position group. Let's and these are all teams. Green Bay could conceivably play in the postseason. So Debo, more than anyone else, was the offense. Uh, he, not just in terms of like what he was doing for the 49ers. Like if you're taking a skill position player, at least, at least a pass catcher, I don't know that you can make an argument for anyone else being more the fulcrum of their offense than Debo Samuel. He was doing normal wide receiver stuff and being awesome at it. He was doing running back stuff and being awesome at it. He was doing stuff that doesn't really have a name. Like we kind of call it like jet motion sweep guy. Again, there's not, there's not really a defined term for this. And he was doing it amazingly. Like until the final week of the season, he was leading the NFL in yards per reception and yards per rush attempts. That's incredible. That's wild. And, that's why he could be running back. So like, sure. And that's why there probably should be more of like one, there should be three receivers and one running right. back, not the way they have it now, but also probably should be an offensive flex so that we can make sure that a guy like Debo Samuel is not, is not shortchanged here because I, I imagine one of the it's few times to, fantasy football had a good idea. Yeah, there we go. It, it happens every now and then, but to me, what Debo Samuel did was so much more impressive than the other option. Well, I mean, so much more, but like was enough more impressive that I, I couldn't ultimately not vote for him. Like if you take him off the 49ers, they, you know, they still have Kyle Shannon. They still have George Kittle. They still have that really good offensive line. Yeah. Uh, they, they still have Jimmy Garoppolo, which is actually an argument for Debo Samuel, right? Like he's doing this <laughs> with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not doing this with an all pro. Uh, it just, it became too overwhelming for me to ignore. And if you take them off that team, I, they don't make the playoffs. And you can maybe say the same thing about Devontae Adams of the Packers or Cooper Cup with the Rams. So I think the arguments are less compelling than it is with Debo Samuel. He was just that good. They also barely made the playoffs. So I think that sort of contributes to it on, on some level. Sure. Elton Jenkins played eight games. How many games do you think he would have had to have played for you to consider him at guard or tackle? I didn't really think about it in that I, I I just knew I wasn't going to put someone on who'd only played half the season. Although right. I do wonder voters in general, if instead of missing the second half of the season, had, if he had missed the first half and then right. came back and played as well as he did, would there have been votes for him? Because I, I think, I think so. the I think the order ends up affecting the way that we think about this, including ourselves here, because he played left tackle at an extremely high level. It, yeah. You know, you you can point out how maybe it wasn't peak David Bakhtiari. So like, okay, cool. He's not as good as the best pass protecting left tackle of his generation, probably, but it wasn't that much far below. And he was an effective run blocker. And, you know, the moment Bakhtiari returned, assuming that Jenkins was still available, he was going to move either inside probably to guard or to the, you know, to right tackle. We didn't know, but the idea that he could do all these things 
has to play a role in this too, right? It's not just what you do with the position you're assigned. It's also how many problems you solve for your team. So that he was able to go from an interior position to left tackle and just get, it wasn't just that he got the job done. Like he solved the problem. I I would have thought given a larger sample size, that would have been worth consideration, but just because of it being eight games, it, it was too hard for me. I think it would, he would have probably needed to get to like 13 or 14 and unfortunately just wasn't going to get there. I, I had, I had Zach Martin was, was one of my guards. I kind of had some issues with the other one. Um, and, and I didn't really have any really consideration for, for any of these other spots. I, there's one name I want to, I want to bring up. Did you, have you decided on a center? Uh, I think I'm going to go, it came out of two guys. Uh, I ended up going, or at least I'm presently favoring Creed Humphrey with the Chiefs. So that is who I am selecting. And that's important for a couple different reasons. The most important to me is he could have been a Green Bay Packer. Green Bay selected Josh Myers instead of Creed Humphrey. And that was surprising to me. Theo is very, very upset about it. Yes. That was surprising to I know it was surprising to you. It was surprising to me. It was surprising to other Packers media because Creed Humphrey was such a Packers type. I think he had a a 9.99 relative athlete score. I mean, he was a crazy athlete, had the pedigree, and they didn't pick him, and they could have. And that's not to say I think Josh Myers is a bad player. It's not his fault. He's been hurt all this year, and I don't want to write the story of his career after one season. But right now, that that looks like a mistake. Yeah, like Josh Myers, before he got hurt, was playing at a very, very high level, not really just good. for a rookie. And Creed Humphrey blew him out of the water. <laughs> so it's important to keep all this in context. Myers was good before he got hurt, and Humphrey has clearly had a superior season by more than one deviation, right? And the best argument you can make for Myers over Humphrey in at the time they made the decision is Myers is a much bigger offensive lineman. And if you thought that you were going to go with more power scheme, which the Packers have, they mm-hmm. were a lot more duo than they ever had before. Makes sense. They were going to feature AJ Dillon a lot more Then, not that Humphrey's a bad run blocker. He's not, but someone with the power and size of Myers long-term short and long-term would have made more sense for that particular thing. I don't think that overrides all the other things that Creed Humphrey does better and, and probably will continue to do much better than maybe any other center in the NFL. But That to me was probably the thought process, but yeah, Humphrey has had, not just for a rookie, he has had a phenomenal season by a center. And when you play this well out of the box, you already have to be considered on a hall of fame trajectory, which is hard to do at center. They don't usually put a lot of those guys in the hall of fame, but you know, even if Myers ends up being like a decade long pro, which is entirely possible because he looked good before the injury, Matt LaFleur really spoke up well about him in terms of what he did play in the season finale when he came back and he could be the starting center come the divisional round. That part is still unclear, but you, you look at all those things and you say, this could be a fantastic player. And Creed Humphrey was still probably the right answer. Yeah, it's tough. And, and by the way, you know, who's running more duo and more power and more gap Kansas city. (laughs) That's the, that's the funny part is because they realized, oh, we've got an offensive line of ass kickers. Let's go kick some ass. And they started doing it and it, and it changed their offense. Um, any, any final thoughts on these awards, um, lingering Packers that you would do, do you want to make a case for the Boho blast? Um, and anything else here? I, 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 I just think it's worth mentioning 
if they play all year, Zadarius Smith is probably on this team. David Bakhtiari is probably on this team. And there's a good chance Jair Alexander's on this team. All three of those guys are coming back for the postseason. So that's, that's, that's what stands out to me. Sounds like three good additions. That's what I'll say. I love it. Jason, this was great. Thank you so much. Everyone, please go subscribe to The Leap. Um, Jason has, depending on uh, when you're listening to this, Jason has our our Friday preview, and then we'll be back on Monday, which is always free. If you haven't gotten your T-shirts and you are a founding member, um, go do that. You have an email about it. And if you want to get a T-shirt, The Leap T-shirts are awesome. Um, I... uh, I highly recommend you go get them at Cotton Bureau. Um, we have we have tweeted out the link a number of times. I'll do it again, just for good measure. Jason, thank you, man. Thank you. All right, I want to thank Jason for joining the show. Great to talk to him. A different format for our Friday show, but with no game, I thought, you know, we don't have the same sorts of things to talk to on our live stream. So here's a podcast in your feed. You get it if you're listening to this. Um, if it's on YouTube, you're watching this. Thank you for watching. Go subscribe. Love you, mean it. And uh, I I thought this was a fun discussion, a fun way to sort of preview toward the NFC playoffs that we get this weekend. And then we'll spend next week talking about the actual team the Packers are going to play. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. It's the new year. That means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier or just feeling a little bit better about yourself, Built Bar is the perfect way to get you there because it tastes great. Sometimes your your resolutions on eating healthy or an exercise or being healthier or fitness involve a lot of bland foods or foods that are a pain in the butt to chew. Bill Bar's not like that. I had one today, as a matter of fact, before I worked out. And it was the perfect boost for me because it's high protein, high fiber, but low in cal, low sugar, and low in net carbs. That's what you want from a food especially when you're trying to eat a little bit healthier. That's fuel for your body. And it is something that can fuel your workouts or just be a mid-afternoon snack. Sometimes that's all you need. Plus so many favors to get you in the mix. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and specialty flavors that change all the time. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off. That's promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off at Built.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at BetOnline, your number one spot for all your gambling action in 2022. Happy betting new year. BetOnline remains your number one spot in 2022. New year and new updated desktop mobile website. Sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On from football, basketball, hockey, UFC, boxing, right down to your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the great offers this year. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're going to be back next week to talk about the Packers opponent. We will break down the game. Um, I, I'm I'm considering bringing someone in from that team to help us talk about that team on Monday just so we get a head start. Like, hey, this is what happened. The 49ers beat the Cowboys. Isn't that crazy? Let's talk about that game. Oh, the, the Cardinals beat the Rams. Isn't that crazy? What happened 
and what does it mean for the Packers matchup coming up in the divisional round. So we will be back next week. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.